Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Okay. okay. Well, hello, Robert Derringer. Here we are today with another episode of Women in Electronics Leader and Highlight podcast series. So I am just so happy to have you here today, Robert Derringer. Thank so you. yes, Robert, so you. you are the director of the Global Channel at Cruze. Yes. And I will just turn it over to you real quick, just to sure. describe what does that title mean? What do you do? And you know, how are you serving the industry right now? So I'm, I'm now beginning my seventh year with Cruze, and I'm responsible for the channel strategy and a small team in the Americas and Europe. So my area of influence, if you will, is our authorized distribution network for industrial control products, automation and control products, including motion control products throughout the Americas and Europe. Very nice. Well, I know you are taking a leadership role, which obviously uh, you're doing that, helping us a little bit in women electronics as well. But before we get into all that, I do want to backtrack and just find out from you. And I ask everyone this question because I'm always so interested. We have a very unique kind of industry, I would say. People yeah. came from all over and, and, and wound up here for all different reasons. So. What was your start in the industry and how did you wind up here? Well, it, it can certainly be a long answer, but I'll try to boil it down. Product of the technology of the mid-70s, and I was fascinated when my dad bought a handheld calculator, which did the four basic, basic math functions. I was fascinated by it. And then he bought also this digital watch and it came in water. And it was like, wow, it was like $90, probably half a week to a week's worth of his earnings. But it fascinated me. And back then, I knew I wanted to be in this burgeoning world of electronics. I didn't know exactly what that meant. So I was studying college prep courses during high school and also a technical degree. And I went right to work right after high school and worked in the business, so to speak, a transformer winding company. But my first real break in this industry was when I was lucky enough to land a regional sales. Some people took a chance on me back then. I was 26 years old then, and I've been in the business now for plus 30 years. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> so... All right. So what have you seen in 30 years, my goodness, from then to now? So uh, we are just talking now after you just came off of, you were at an industry event. You came from ERA, Electronics right. Association right. there. And now um, you were announced uh, as the co-chair of the ECIA Executive Conference, right? Yes. You're yes. Toby Cornell and I were uh, both honored to be selected for that. That is amazing because we love Toby. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, she's one yeah. of our founding members. That's going to be a great team. And we're excited to be at ECIA as part of our We Luncheon that we have there. And then you're also involved with women in electronics in our mentorship program. And yes, that's yeah. been amazing to have you as part of that program. But 
This is just an interesting question. Here you are involved with these associations, ours being a nonprofit, 501c3, but what is it that motivates you to have this job that you have this leadership position, but also be so active and involved in the industry associations? You know, that's a question that some of the folks within my company or prior places I've worked have asked. And I always believe that if you're going to really be part of something, part of an industry, it's more than just showing up and doing your job. And it's more than just putting your name on a committee and being able to to say, I contributed by just joining a committee, let's say, Mm -hmm. uh, or just being a member paying dues. I think it's probably better to say that a lot of people they're busy and I'm not slighting anybody. But for me, it doesn't feel authentic and real if I'm not really rolling up my sleeves and getting in there. I think if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And that's a bit of a motto for my whole life. I really enjoy being part of it. And I think with a, a smaller company like Cruze, it helps to reinforce our commitment to the industry, to the channel, to the industry in general. I think it helps that people can see we really really live and breathe this as well. And we want to see the industry succeed and part of that success. Okay. So for those listening who don't know your company, where do you sit in the channel? What type of organization are you? And how are you a part of this collective channel? Sure. So Cruze kind of straddles the electromechanical and audio. Uh, not sure where audio came from automation and industrial space. So we make products that simply allow people to control small processes, small machines, and make life safer, easier, more efficient for them on their factory floor. So we make control devices, we make logic controllers, we make micro switches and limit switches, and then small motors, fractional horsepower motors. And again, these are all used in smaller in typically smaller applications, we're not going to automate an entire factory floor. So we kind of straddle what we call PEMCO in the electronics components world. And we're really in the industrial automation space with a good range of our product. All right. Well, serves a big purpose in the industry. And, you know, we were kind of talking before is like we're this electronic component industry. Right. but. It- encompasses so many verticals. I mean, you mentioned automation. We have, you mentioned audio too, Uh, you know, energy, medical, you name it. There's so many industries that are related and the electronic component industry to me kind of encompasses all these industries. Maybe that's just the way I look at it, but we really have a massive impact on so many industries. So it's really critical that people in the industry that are working in the channel really understand the impact that they're having. It's really bigger sometimes than we think it is. But anyway, I wanted to also talk to you. So here we are, women in electronics, trying to align with our male counterparts to advance and make progress towards systemic change. We have certain people that we've been involved with that have been very supportive, Um, but we're still trying to figure out that formula to bring our male counterparts in. Obviously, we're women electronics, so it seems like they wouldn't be invited, but they are. The reason we're called women electronics is we do have separate leadership issues and we are only represented 
in about 10% of the leadership roles in the industry. So that's why we're called Women in Electronics to call out what we're trying to do, although we're trying to align with our male counterparts. So what is your best input to us as far as you are someone who's been involved? You are someone who didn't come from a place of threat. Um, Can you just talk about that? There's certainly a lot of interesting things kind of jumbling around in my head. I think for me, we recognize that we are monolithically, generally in our industry, uh, a white male and older uh, subset that's managing our businesses. That's not monolithically 100%, of course, but we are older, we are whiter, we are more male uh, than we are anything else. And I think we're bypassing a number of talents and a number of diverse opinions that are not being heard. So for me, I think what drives me is that I want to make the world a little bit of a better place than it was before I was part of it. I have a daughter. I've got, uh, I have a son and daughter, and I've got two stepdaughters that have uh, lived with me for the last 10 or so years. And I've gotten to the point where I realize that we really are missing opportunities really in life in general by not including a subset or, uh, and when I say including, that may mean something different to some other people, but that is really listening to and hearing and valuing their opinions and their contributions. So for me, it's it's really about uh, leaving the world a bit of a better place and recognizing that with this industry will be stronger when it's got a more diverse a subset of people that are really being included and heard. Mm -hmm. And given opportunities. Yes. So I feel like I've grown up in this industry as well, and I love the people. And so I feel that we have such a high caliber, great group of leaders, um, but it doesn't always mean that everybody is as aware of these issues. We are having a talent crisis. We all know this. The best way, in my opinion, moving forward is to do like you're saying is open the opportunities for women and diverse talent in our industry so that we can look at things from a different perspective than we ever have. But all of us together, and to me, it's an expansive mentality, not a finite. So I think if it's like a us or them kind of puts you in a position of protecting your space. But if we could look at it like we're expanding, there's room for everyone, right? There really is room for everyone. So on that note, though, what would be your input? I'm sure there's many men listening and there's many men very supportive of women in electronics and what we're trying to do. But it's not always easy when you're in a meeting or when things come up and we're in that process of systemic change, how do we correct behaviors when you're one of the only women in a meeting and say men say inappropriate things? Usually I found in my career that men don't say anything. They don't stick up to other men. In fact, they might kind of chuckle. And then women just get kind of used to that's just the way it is. Um, but really this is part of what I think we have to look at. And so what is your comment on that? How would a man address these issues with other men? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. It's one I've I've had to ask myself, especially as I've become more familiar with women in electronics, I've been mentoring uh, for the last several months. And 
for me, it's learning a new skill set, and that's calling in rather than calling out. Because men, again, if we generalize, we might have easily bruised egos and a little rush of testosterone when we challenge each other. So I, I think that I recognize that women have been asking for better pay, more equivalent pay, better opportunity, similar opportunity for many, many, many years. I mean, since before I was even looking to join this business. So I heard somebody, I heard a man with, who I know is sincere about all of this uh, that we're talking about say, we just have to do better. And I really challenged myself when I heard that to say, what does do better mean? And, and for me, it meant calling people in rather than calling them out. I live in California now, like, like you, Jackie, but I'm from the East Coast, so I can go quickly to the go-to responses. I can, I can be cutting and sharp and snarky and all of that quickly. And, and But, you know, that doesn't really, at the end of the day, move the needle. I think that men think hard about how do you actually call somebody. I've had it, I've had it where, it's, where I, can, I can cite some examples. Uh, it doesn't always necessarily mean it's just about women, but there was a person on my team, uh, some people that were purposely calling one of our teammates by a uh, different pronunciation of the name. Uh, you know, it's a Hispanic name and they were overemphasizing, overemphasizing one of the letters. Now, I'm not going to get too specific because I'm not here to call anybody out. But I said, can we all agree just to stop and call this fellow by his correct name? And the fellow said, oh, come on, he doesn't mind. It's just we're just joking. I said, well, why do we have to joke at somebody's expense? I mean, his name is his name. What's so hard about using his name? I don't understand. So that was kind of an example for me of one of my early tests of will I use will I use my voice to call call people in and try to get them to understand, try to get them to see it from a different point of view, have a little bit more empathy and really understand what that means. Uh, I think men... I actually said this, uh, I, I don't know if you know, I'm part of ERA too, and I had the opportunity to talk at a breakout session and be part of a panel. And the question came up from somebody, a young millennial woman, and she said, why are the gentlemen in this room kind of so reluctant to kind of talk about these issues? And I said, I think because a lot of men perceive that empathy or inclusion or any talk like this is a feminine characteristic, and they don't want to, they don't want to cross that line. But really, I think it's a lot harder than you might think. I know I'm not saying that I live anything like a, a woman or a person of color would live, but it's a lot harder than you think to really think about what you're going to say and say in a productive way, call somebody in and, and wonder if you're potentially going to be passed up for that next assignment, next job, next position. We have that too. I have that too. I have those insecurities that's caused me to be complicit in all of this and not use my voice. But now at my age, I've said, I want to leave the world a better place. So my advice to men would be check your blind spots, uh, learn to be more empathetic, really understand what inclusion means. It doesn't just mean including people at the table. It means really listening, really hearing them and, and trying to get into their shoes and, and then take the opportunity in the moment to call people in. Because in the moment is when it's freshest. That's when we understand the context. That's sometimes not appropriate, but uh, that is when you can do your best work, I think. Wow. I think that's very courageous because I think that's a really tough conversation because we really do. I think women really need men 
to start calling out the bad behavior when it comes up, you know, it gets to be very awkward and uncomfortable and it is for the men too, but it almost is more effective for a man to call another man out. And sometimes it's separately. It's, it's, it's like, you're like, you're not trying to call them out in that meeting, but maybe separately to say, Hey, when this came up, you know, that made me uncomfortable. And, and I know you could do better. Right. And, and I think we're in a time now that it, it really is a conversation uh, with love for men to understand that it really is just as much their responsibility to call out other people um, when they see that type of behavior. But I, I really feel that we are all um, in a time we can link together and make this change as men and women. And women really have to support other women, too, because that doesn't always happen. Right. I'll believe you on that. Yeah. So I would say for the majority, women do, but there's a lot of women, especially in a male-dominated industry, who feel very threatened because they want to hold their position with the men. They don't want to be seen outside of that. And so women electronics, it's really tough right now because um, we're educating the women and educating the men because the only way of systemic long-term change is to do it in unity and to do it together. I absolutely believe that, that women have been knocking on that door for a long time. And I think men from within have to be willing to kind of push that door open. Yes, women and men in leadership positions. And I'll kind of ask you my last question, but to conclude that leadership topic, it's hard to be a leader, I would say we are in a time, it's probably the most challenging ever to be a leader because you have to hold yourself to so much higher standards, right? I think that so many people, we got away with so much way back when, but we're in a time now, leadership is not easy. So be careful what you ask for when you go into yeah. these roles because you're the model, you're the example you're the one that people are going to follow. And if you're not in check personally, then that's going to flow through the organization and people are going to model wrong behavior. But speaking of that, we do have our mentorship program. And these are the types of topics we talk about is grooming these next set of leaders. And a lot of times we find they'd like to be able to talk to somebody outside of their organization so that they get that coaching in a way they can kind of just take a deep breath and not worry. And we find that a lot of times it's a good source of retention. They stay longer in their organizations. So you have been a mentor a couple of times, right? Right. Yep. I just wrapped up my second. Okay. So tell us about that. Tell us why you think that's important. What's been your experience? I've been really humbled because I think in both cases, I first was connected with somebody that's relatively experienced in the industry. And I think coming in, I thought, you know, somebody with her background had it all figured out, didn't need much guidance. And then the second one is a super dynamic younger woman that whoever works with her, hires her alongside her is, is going to be really blessed. And for me, I, I'm humbled because I sometimes think I've gotten more out of it than they have. Mm-hmm. Although they've both been super complimentary. I still have to work on uh, taking compliments myself. I always think I could do more and I, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So uh, when I think about it, I've learned a lot about me and how I communicate with others 
And that's others in general. It's not just women. You know, I, I'm not the type that's going to talk one way to a woman and another way generally to a man. I really want to learn to be a better listener, a more active listener, to really hear and not listen to reply. And it's something I was kind of always really good at doing is listening to reply. So for me, the process has really been helpful in driving me to look at my blind spots, look at my unconscious biases, and really understand what, you know, what causes me to react a certain way and, and really to live my truth, to live my truth. And, and when I say I want to make the world a better place and stand up for and call people into a different way of thinking, the whole mentorship program, I, I think, will continue to have spillover effects for me and hopefully for the people that that work with me. I mean, it's so easy to call, to have a management title, to be on the org chart at a certain level and to you know play the boss card. But you actually sent me a book and the book Multipliers. The one thing that I remember from that, and I'll try to leave with this thought because I can keep going. It's easier to raise the collective IQ of your organization. Let's say everybody's IQ by one point than it is to raise your IQ by five points. So a real leader multiplies the talent around them uh, and doesn't diminish that talent. And, and through all of this, I'm, I'm coming to learn a lot more about myself. And it's all because I decided to take this journey a few years ago uh, and pop in after an ECIA conference and see what we was all about. I was harping on uh, an employee of mine that she should join we because it would really help her advance her career and she'd be more effective with her corporate relationships at distributors. And then when when I heard men were allowed, I was just all in. So yes. long answer, I think. Well, we love that you actually attended that event and have been a part of our organization. And we would love for more men to be involved and have your perspective at the table as well, because I do believe we also have to address the issues and concerns and vulnerabilities that men face as well, because as we go through, we have to all be thinking of each other and, and, and how do we address this together? So very happy that we have men like yourself in our industry that are willing to take those leadership roles. I got this thought. I, went, I was on, I won't say which association, so I'm a member of four actually, but I was on a call where a number of men were kind of let me just say poo-pooing mental health, you know, that these millennials want mental health uh, coverage and things like that. And the normal talk of men of a certain age is we walk to school, you know, and and uh, we walked up a hill through snow and over glass. And, and we, you know, we, we went back up the same glass-covered snowy hill to get home. Yes. And it almost felt like entitlement, you know, like these kids need to suck it up. And, and I said this, and I knew I was kind of putting myself out there, but I said, you know, I think maybe we all suppressed that a lot more than maybe we should have. But regardless, regardless of this, we have to deal with this. And, and if we deal with it from the position of politically correct, I have to deal with it. You're going to be seen through. If you're not truly empathetic and inclusive, you're going to be seen through. So if you're approaching all of this from a PC point of view, uh, somebody else is going to swipe your employees if you cannot be an empathetic and inclusive leader. Why I wanted to interrupt Jackie was that there were men on the call that messaged me privately and said, thank you for doing that. So I know the men are out there and I would love to help give them a blueprint 
for what I'm describing, which is something I'm still developing. I won't say I'm a master of it. Uh, I'm not speaking, you know, I'm on a speaking circuit talking about it, but um, it's something I feel really strongly about. And it's really becoming uh, a big part of me and it's gelling within. I love that final thought because you do bring up a good point. I feel like maybe I'm always saying the same thing. Like I get tired of hearing myself talk, but the empathy discussion is so critical because the data shows us that the more inclusive the teams, the better decisions, the more diverse you get in your organization, the more profits. In fact, you have about 19% relative return increase with gender parity. So it, the, the the financial case is there as well, but it's also, you're talking about reading these books and all these different things. Empathetic leadership is a strength. Absolutely. And we used to see it as a female trait, but it's really, it requires so much self-awareness and introspection and humility, but there's so much strength in that. So um, that is a whole new mindset, right, of leadership moving forward. So this is part of what we're here for, too, is just all of us growing together because men and women, all of us can improve uh, in this area. But, Robert, I am just so honored to have your time. Absolutely thrilled that you would ask me and uh, allow me the opportunity to be on this journey with your organization. Uh, And, you know, I, I think you and Toby... As co-chairs of the ECIA event coming up in October, we will be there too, Women Electronics, with our luncheon. What dream team um, (laughs) co-chair that event? I'm so excited for both of you and very much looking forward to that event. Yes, same here. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for being here. And we will be in touch very soon, Robert. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Be welcome. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.